Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Ryan Mayer, Scott Randall, Pete Dady, Ruthie Lofty, Richie Blake, and all of our Patreon supporters and you, yes, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to The Adventure Jogger. We are going to have an absolute first here, ever, first ever. On an episode of the Adventure Jogger, we're going to talk to Adam Ribeiro. He is a trail and ultra runner out of Boston, Massachusetts, and he is going to give us our first ever person whose running journey started with being an American Ninja Warrior. What a great show that is. So he really goes from uh, wearing a green Speedo on American Ninja Warrior to falling in love in the trail and ultra community, with the trail and ultra community, and you hear everything in between. Talks about obstacle course racing. One thing I thought was interesting, and you want to take notes towards this is towards the end of the podcast. Uh, there's a piece of training advice, something that he has found in training for American Ninja Warrior and training for obstacle course racing that could really benefit trail and ultra runners. And I think it's actually a really great piece of training that we should all throw into our kits. So listen up for that. But a great story that covers a lot of bases. He's recently dumped social media. And by recently, I mean a year ago. So he's been social media free for a year. What is that like? We also talk about uh, the, the, the situation the sport is in right now. Andy Jones Wilkins, if you've not read it, has a great article in irunfar.com talking about where the sport is right now, where people are taking a stand against big corporate races. Uh, so, you know, run by Ironman slash UTMB and those more community races. Great article. Read it. We cover a lot of bases on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. When I think of Boston, Massachusetts, the beautiful city that you call home, I don't I don't think of trail running for whatever reason because I figure it's this it's this big old city, you know, there's this classic American city filled with history where every square inch of that beautiful city is filled with old style row homes and and these beautiful these old buildings. I don't think about trail and ultra running, but I'm wrong. 
because there is a trail and ultra scene in Boston, isn't there? Yeah, no, you're right. Well, actually, you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's true. Even I uh, was very surprised at first when I know one day found out about those two big actually trail system near Boston and this trail community there and then started finding out about certain ultra races around that those trails and I was like oh wow I mean it, it's no it's pretty big actually you sent me an email there's a trail called the Middlesex Fells trail in Boston and and they yeah. host they host an end of the year 50k or 40 miler every year Tell me more about that race because that that sounds really amazing. Yeah, so we have this the, the Middlesex Fells Trail, mm-hmm. which is you no know, like maybe twenty minutes from downtown Boston City. It's pretty close to it, and they have this famous loop there called the Skyline Loop, mm-hmm. which is about seven ish miles, and you gain like almost fifteen hundred feet of gain. Wow! And it's just like a concert. Yeah, it's it's almost like a concert roller coaster of just rocky and rudy terrain, like up and down, up and down. So yeah, they host this thing every um, beginning of December called the Tark Fells Winter Ultra. Yes, yes. And they have yeah, and they have an option for like a fifty k, which consists of um, four loops of this skyline loop. Or if you're doing the forty mile, it's one extra loop, so it's uh, five five loops. Right. That to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I've had some other folks that have talked about the Tark Winterfell's Ultra. That seems very low key, very community. That is not a UTMB <laughs> race <laughs> with a three hundred dollar entry fee, is it? No, it's actually so cheap. It's like I think like thirty bucks for you to sign up for it, and it's really nicely organized. And they do they always do a great great job with a lot of their other races. But it's low key, and surprisingly, it's usually one of their toughest race that the the Tark runs. So yeah, you don't you don't usually see a lot of people there during race day. Like you see a good amount of people, but not that huge amount because it's brutal by the end of it you're regretting <laughs> <laughs> well tell me more about it so it's, it's the tark winter fells ultra is the one that goes on this middlesex fells trail right in the heart of boston right correct yep yeah so i mean they have some so they usually do throughout the year they do a series based on each season so they'll have like the tark spring the tark summer the tark fall classic and then the the winter Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like part of their se- series, but yeah. the, the the winter one, it's you know, it's usually always like first weekend of December. Sometimes it can be snow, sometimes just really cold. This year, weirdly enough, was pretty humid. It was a bit cold, not that bad, but mostly humid and yeah. rainy, which kind of made it more interesting. How did it go? Because you did yeah. this, you did this past year, right? Yeah. So last year was the first time that I. Sign, that I found out about that race and I signed up for it and you no, know, like I live 30 minutes from the course. So a month prior to the race, I started training consistently going there every weekend and running a few loops. Mm-hmm. So last year was the first year that I raced it and I ended up winning the 40 miler. So I was actually surprised, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like it's a sneaky course because you can do two loops of it and feel not too bad. And then once you hit the third loop, you're like, yep, that's when you're going to know if you <laughs> went too fast in the beginning or not. <laughs> right. 
That's good. But I want to back up for a minute there, Adam, just for a second. When you said that you ran it last year and you won, um, yeah. to, to your surprise, was it because you were in really good shape or is it because it was just, you know, a handful of people doing the race? Um, no, actually, I think it's because I was in really good shape. But at the same time, I don't know. It's just there was a good amount of other people there. Yeah. And actually, last year, the second place called me on the last loop, halfway to the last loop. Yeah. So we kind of battled out the last four miles together. And then luckily, he had a bit of a cramp on one of the hills. And I <laughs> managed to pull ahead and <laughs> beat him. But yeah, I was just I, I was just not expecting that. I was surprise a bit it's a nice to get a w even if it's in a small 30 dollars race it's still a w yeah. right yes yeah especially because you know like usually it, it's small but some of the people that show up there like they're local so they're used to those trails too so you know it's not like someone that's like oh this is my first time running right 40 miler and have no clue what they're doing right right there's some st- stout competition there i wasn't saying that to downplay your skills adam i just wanted to see you know were you generally shocked like oh my god i'm not even you know i didn't even train for this dang thing and i show up and i win <laughs> the thing or is it just because of, of the amount of people who showed up i, I love races like that i love the 30 dollar yeah. entry fee and i think you know andy jones wilkins has a great article in I Run Far, Andy's Tap Room. Um, it, it's, it's talking about kind of the the where the sport is right now and mm-hmm. how there's a race, the High Lonesome 100 has basically taken a stand saying, you know, uh, we're not taking any qualifiers that are UTMB races because people are upset because UTMB got into bed with Iron Man and now they've got this whole race series and different races are being presented by by uh by utmb and iron man and people are kind of it's definitely dividing the community there are people that are like ah it is what it is right i'm gonna run it and then there's people that are like you know that is not the spirit of the sport that is not supporting the community that is a money grab and i think andy does a great job of of pleasing both sides uh in his Mm -hmm. article but it, it really points that there's enough room for all of that in the sport, if you want to do an Ironman slash UTMB race, you can go for it. But I think it's always fun to take a minute and to highlight these races that are the $30 entry fees that are just these low-key people getting together and having a whole lot of fun. Because races like the one you're talking about are very much the old-school spirit of the community. And I, I really yeah. hope... That, yes, everything is a money grab now. And as the sport gets bigger, God, there's a new there is a new running podcast focusing on trail and ultra running released every single week. And, and every, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and Nike's even sticking more money into, into newer shoes. And everybody's getting on board. And everybody's trying to squeeze a little bit of money out of this sport. Um, but I think as long as we can have those races, we can have those big high-profile things, but as long as we've got options for for races like this and that something like this sticks around for a long time and that you can still take advantage of these community races i think the sport will be just fine yeah no i agree with that i like i i mean don't get me wrong i love like some of those big races too like this year i actually got to experience my first like 
kind of would say official 100 miler because i've done a couple hundred miler before but they were always just looped stuff and yeah. like low-key stuff too so this year i got to experience vermont 100 miler and that was like awesome like really nice organized and everything but those low-key ones those, those small ones they definitely make you appreciate that community aspect more like it is it, kind of you're yeah, going to yeah yeah you go you're almost going to the race like kind of feeling a little bit less pressure just knowing that you can go out there and just really give your best but like if you lose it's not like or like if you don't do that great it's not like anybody's gonna like kind of look at you sideways or right. something you know there's really a benefit to both of them it's kind of nice to experience the bigger races and i'm sure going to vermont which is one of the granddaddies i mean it is it is a classic yeah, it's beautiful it is but to have that big experience at that big race where everything is the aid stations are top notch all you know fully supported and you've got crowds everywhere that's a fun experience sometimes but every once in a while too it is nice especially on the pocketbook to show up at a smaller <laughs> community event and just that's when you really get to meet some some really fascinating people cuz it seems like at those type of races, I'm not saying it doesn't happen at bigger races, but at these at these community level ultras, there's a lot of community building. The idea of those ultras is not to make money. The idea is to cover expenses and to build community. And that's where you're going to have those great conversations. You're going to meet those people. You're going to run some miles with that guy on the last lap that's trying to pass you. And you, you smile a little bit when yeah. he gets a cramp on that big hill, but you're, you know, <laughs> you can have a beer at the finish line together, right? Exactly. No, it's, yeah, at the end of the day, everyone's just happy to be there and no happy for each other and supporting each other. So, yeah, no, I, I love that. That's kind of usually how I feel like I got into the whole ultra scene. It was kind of like running mostly a lot of those community stuff. So, well, let's go back a minute then, Adam. Let's kind of get your story. Where, why did Adam Ribeiro decide to get into the world of ultra running? It's funny. So, I'm going to try to make this not too long, but you can make it long. Like I, I said, I got to <laughs> fill it. Everybody always says it like, I'm going to give you the short story. I'm like, no, no, no. We got an hour to fill. You go ahead and just. You elaborate. Don't cut out any good details. All right. All right. I'm going to try to remember all-ish then. Um, so I started really running back in 2016. Yeah. It's when I found out about the whole OCR stuff. Yeah. So the obstacle racing scene, like mm -hmm. Spartan races. So I know at, at that point, actually, before then, I was actually more into like just doing obstacles itself because I was training for American Ninja Warrior. So wow. I got a... Yeah, so I got a chance to compete on one of their seasons, like the season nine. Okay, so, hang on, stop. We're not <laughs> skipping over this detail. You wanted to be, what made you want to go on American Ninja Warrior? Well, so the things that like during, okay, during high school, so I'm Brazilian. I okay. came here from Brazil back mm -hmm. in 2005. Yeah. And throughout high school, I know I spent all those four or five years there just kind of really learning the language. So I didn't get to like practice any sports or you know, figure out like what I enjoyed. Or I knew that I'd like to do sports, but I was way too more motivated on just learning the language. And I was a bit shy and all that kind of stuff. So after high school, I started going to just get basic normal gym. And then I started watching like some of those American Ninja Warrior stuff. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool to give it a try. And then I started um looking around and found out that we had a, a ninja gym near us so i you know signed up went there checked it out and, and started enjoying it so i would you know after a year or two of like playing around the ninja gym i was like oh no let me try to sign up i mean i know it's a competitive 
the, the way for you to apply for American Endure is yeah. kind of like, you know, just answer a bunch of questions, make a little like a three minute long video or something and send to them. And I was like, and a bunch of people that have been doing this stuff for a while. So I was like, oh, yeah, usually it'll take like maybe three, four, whatever years for you to be able to get a call back or something. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I mean, might as well give it a try. And I you know did a video, signed everything up. And then one the next, like within a month or so, I was just at the rock climbing gym climbing and all of a sudden I get a call and I'm like, oh shoot, no way. And then I pick up and they're like, yeah, this American Ninja Warrior would like to have you on the next season. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, I was like beginner's lucky pretty much. But it was a cool experience. It ended up being in Ohio that um, we had to drive. My family came with me. So, yeah. we went to Ohio for the for the qualifier. So, and then they usually like, you know, have about 100 people in those qualifiers and 30 advanced for the next day and then out of the 30 the next day 15 kind of makes it like the big vegas kind of thing yeah so yeah it was a cool experience like unfortunately i did not make through the first round because of some stupid balance obstacles <laughs> but it was a really great experience <laughs> to to see that side of the sport you know it's funny is you, you have to ask yourself adam too when when american ninja warrior calls you there's got to be a moment where you're going, are they calling me because they think I can do well or are they calling me because they think I'm going to give them an <laughs> epic wipeout? Yes, yeah, very true. Um, no, it was it was very shocking. And I kind of like know, like I used to be back um, a few years for a while on like on the whole social media stuff. I kind of for a, over a year now, I kind of delete all my social medias, except like I have Strava still. Yeah. So... During you no know, Instagram ages and that kind of stuff, for me, I used to call myself the handle like Adam Believe because that's how they, that was like my nickname for the American Ninja Warrior. So I had like my name Adam and the Eve and the end of it. So yeah. I believe kind of the whole like play thing. So the American Ninja Warrior run, I actually ended up like getting you know I had some green underwear. I glued a bunch of leaves on it and then I showed up to <laughs> before I run, like I throw an apple and grab the apple, take a bite of it and then do the runs. Like it was very comical, but <laughs> I don't even know like how I had the balls to do that on. So now that I think back sometime. <laughs> wow. You know, someday Adam, you're going to have to tell your kids or grandkids like gather around. I want to tell you about the time grandpa glued uh, leaves to a green speedo. <laughs> <laughs> it was on TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you train, Adam? Like when you saw Ninja Warrior, and you went to this ninja gym. This is going to yeah. shock you. 
Um, there's no ninja gyms where I'm at in Clarksville, Tennessee. But <laughs> wh- how do you how do you train for something like Ninja Warrior? Oh, so they usually have like it's like a mix of between like agility, you know, like balancing agility stuff mixed with with a, a lot of like upper body strength. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix of both. But you no, know, like usually they will a lot of like usually like it's kind of like them parkour style. So if people do parkour in general, they will do pretty well as yeah. long as you also mix. It's just like a bunch of weird things mixing together. You need that parkour, you need that balance, you need that upper body, you need that rock climbing finger. So it's kind of like a whole mix of thing, but it's also at the same time a bit of luck involved with it, I think, because you only have one shot when you're when you're on the stage. Not like, oh, I failed. Can I try it again? Right. They don't give you that. Oh, do over. Hey, guy in the green no. speedo, we're gonna let you do that over. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of really actually terrifying a bit when you get up there today because you don't get to feel anything of like what the material it is or or anything like that. So when you see on TV, you're like, okay, I mean, a majority of it, it is like not that hard. But once you're up there, it's just a whole different like way, the way you feel because you're like, I know I only have one shot at this. So you one stupid slip, maybe on that first like step that you do the little side by side stepping, you can like have one stupid slip there because you're just too nervous or something. And like, what? I know I can do that, but that day you you just didn't know how the stuff was. So you know, Adam, it's funny is especially with things like Ninja Warrior. Like, if you would have went on Wipeout, like, I think Wipeout's... Yeah. <laughs> Wipeout is, is Ninja Warrior for people that have no business doing anything close to Ninja Warrior because they make you do yeah. stuff just to make you epically wipe out. But when you're doing something like Ninja Warrior, there are so many people that watch that show that think, yeah. oh, my God, how hard can this be? Mm-hmm. And that they think that they could just sail right through it and they could win the whole shebang. Um, so that's a lot of pressure too. When you're on that stage in that green speedo covered in leaves that, <laughs> you know, there's so many people going like, Oh, I could have easily done that knowing that no, it is not that easy. There is a massive amount of luck involved. Yeah, there is definitely for sure. And, um, it's funny cause like, I thought the same thing the first time I watched those things, I would always like the, the first obstacle is always a step, the quint quintuple whatever weird names like the yeah. five steps that you do side by side jumping from one platform to the other and sometimes you would see people do that really slow and i'm like no like why don't you just go like some people would just zoom through it right and then when it was my time like oh now i understand because i was one of those <laughs> slow people because i'm like i don't want to fall <laughs> have a stupid fall on one of those and just ruin the rest of the, like my chance <laughs> right, right. So, i don't know why people go so slow and then you're, there you're going slow through those the first obstacle <laughs> yes but at the end of it all it was like a great experience um you know it was it would have been nice to go farther but it it was just a cool experience so i I enjoyed that and i think it kind of that's how i like moved on to the next chapter of my life so like after that i tried it again i actually kind of got almost like a teaser call where they called me the next year again they were like oh well, we're just calling you because it looks like your video didn't upload right can you send it again i'm like damn it (laughs) but (laughs) Yeah, so then eventually I just found out OCR after that. I was like, oh, no, I'm pretty good at some of the obstacle stuff I've been training, so let me try some of that. And I tried some of the obstacle races and realized that the obstacles were not that hard, but my running sucked. Yeah. Because <laughs> in Ninja so Warrior, you don't really train. You yeah. probably know when you're getting ready for Ninja Warrior, you're not running at that point or much at all, I would think. It's probably a lot of just upper body work. Yeah, with only like a few maybe 
like sprint quick short sprint a few hops like but you don't really necessarily need yeah. to like be a runner okay so yeah when i get when it, so when i started doing ocr and then you know start like focusing a bit on training and like for running and i just pretty much would look up on youtube and stuff like that like how to properly run and that kind of stuff i remember the first time i ever ran two miles non-stop i was like holy cow i just did that <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so funny that you talk about you know going on youtube how many people now there's so, like you can learn how to do anything by watching yes. youtube videos so here you were fresh off of being tv on tv in a green speedo doing some obstacle <laughs> stuff and then just googling how do you run because you realize that that sucked <laughs> like what did youtube teach you about running adam do you remember Oh, I just remember the whole thing of like, no, like, no, like about the no heel strike, try to like focus on your forefoot when you're running and this whole like drills for you to like get better cadence, know the whole 180 cadence yeah. in per minute or something, like all that stuff that eventually later on you find out like a lot of this you don't really need, like you can go by. <laughs> Not everyone has 180 cadence right, <laughs> when right, they're running, right. especially on ultra running. Exactly. But yeah, no, so eventually I got really into OCR. I started really liking, started getting better um, with my running. And um, then I, one day I came across you know, a small obstacle course race, local race as well, that had ultra, um, the ultra side to it where you're like, oh, run this loop for six hours. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. It sounds miserable as well, but let's give, let's give it a try. Yeah. And turns out that I was like, I actually enjoyed the suffering and I actually did well on suffering longer than others. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually when I was like, you know what, like maybe this long distance actually thing is better for me because you know, I was all right as a runner in the beginning, but I realized that I could go much longer than others, you know, at a slower pace and the people that were like, would be really fast in the beginning yeah. and then just not be able to go that long. What is the community like? In, in obstacle course racing? Because I, I did one for a midlife crisis and I've never done another one. Is What is the community like in that sport? Um, it's They're pretty a pretty good community, I would say. They're like, like it, it got to a point that like, after a year of doing OCR, every race I would show up, you literally would see the same 50 people that you always be seeing at races and they would recognize you. And it was like, sometimes there are you no... Know, some people that can be a bit more like snobby or something, but majority of it was pretty like laid back a bit to ultra running, which I think is kind of like what started me like moving towards the ultra yeah. running because I was like, I could see a little bit of that resemblance of the community mm -hmm. yeah. compared to like, no opposed to road runners. They're like, <laughs> there's no community there majority of the time. <laughs> well, cause everyone's got their headphones in. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like just all about their pace and split and that's it. Right. But um, yeah, no. So, that's like how I got it started. Like, I mean, then when eventually I transitioned to ultra running and then found out of the whole community of ultra running, I was like, okay, this is where I belong. Cause mm -hmm. yeah, it's way more laid back. You can like drink beer right after you're done or during the race, you can <laughs> eat whatever you want. It's way much more fun. That's an easy sell. Once you tell people like, you know, they have beer at the end. They're like, Oh really? <laughs> and you can eat whatever you want. The entry fee is going to be about $60 and you can eat $60 worth of food before you're all said and done. 
Very true. Yeah, that's the other thing too. A lot of those ultra races save a lot in your pocket. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so at what point, so you do this, this, this ultra obstacle course race where you're on this course for six straight hours, you do rather well, your running's getting better. When do you find out about the ultra running world minus the obstacles? Yeah, so it was funny. It was actually after um, me and a buddy of mine did um, an obstacle race, and it was like a 50, um, like about 30 miles, you know, 50K yeah. with obstacles. So then we found out about this racing in Maine called Pineland Farms, and yeah. they had, you no know, the 50K in, um, in – no, never mind. It was rewind back. It was actually another race that they had a 50K distance. So we were like – Oh, that shouldn't be so bad. We just did one with obstacles. So this one's just running. Shouldn't be that bad. Right. Well, turns out it was probably one of the worst races <laughs> I've ever experienced because the amount of cramps I dealt with that day was insane. I, I, you don't realize how much of a difference it is when you have obstacles to break down the running and you can like take breaks compared to just running straight the whole time. That makes sense. I mean, you're probably thinking, Adam, at some point, you know, here you've done this 50K with obstacles like oh, I run for five miles and then I got to do some monkey bars and then I got to do this yep. and you had to have been thinking to yourself all right so here's a 50k minus the monkey bars I just gonna be a piece of cake and then <laughs> not knowing that not breaking up that running was really I mean added a layer of difficulty to it yes yeah so oh my god it was so much like it was the same thing it was like a five loop of 10k for that 50k and the last two loops, no, it was just like between jogging and walking. I found a stick randomly in the side of the trail that I grabbed and used as a foam roller on my calves. <laughs> you foam rolled your calf with a stick. Yes, I actually finished the race holding the stick. In the other hand, I had a can of Pepsi or something. <laughs> so, so you learn you learn lesson the hard way. So if you're listening to this yes. podcast because you wanted to download an obstacle course racing podcast and you accidentally downloaded this one, just know it may seem like it's easier, but it's not. Take it from Adam. <laughs> it is not easier. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> so, but I would think, though, when you finished that race, after you had foam rolled yourself on the side of the trail with a <laughs> stick, uh, which I don't recommend and, and no physical therapist recommends doing that, was it... Hey, you worked actually all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Just depends on the stick. Got to use the right stick. Um, but I got to think when you crossed the finish line, were you like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I'm going back to obstacle racing. Or was there something about that experience that made you want to do a, do more of it? Oh, I think after I finished that, we were like, wow, that was awful. Um, let's sign up for a 50 miler. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, no, like I still kept doing some of the obstacle races, but I, it intrigued me. I was like, okay, it's not as easy as you would have thought, but I'm down to challenge myself and go maybe a bit longer. Did you tell your friends in the obstacle racing world, like, listen, guys, it's not easier. Let me tell you, <laughs> you're all sitting around at the end of an obstacle course race. And someone goes, man, those ultra runners, they cut out the obstacles. How, how stupid is that? That sounds super easy. And you're like, well, let me tell you, it's not easy. Yeah. Nope. I was definitely, it was not a fun experience. And I definitely let them know, like, make sure 
if you think just because there is obstacles and it's going to be harder compared to just running, and no, that's not going to cut it. That's when you walk to your car, open up the trunk, pull the stick out, and go, I had to foam roll my calf with this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so 50 miler. Did that go better? Did you did you modify your training slightly uh, for that 50 miler? Yeah, no, the 50 mile actually went pretty great. I you know at that point I had a friend that I met through obstacle race that started um that was a coach, so he you know he gave me a proper better structured training and everything like that. So it turned out being surprisingly really good. Until the point that after the race, I ended up getting IT band issues for um, for a couple months. Everybody gets those out. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the tribe. You have you're not real. You're yes. not a real runner unless you've got IT band issues at some point in your life. Exactly. At least it was good to got, get get that out of the way in the beginning. Exactly. You know, you got to have it at some point. Might as well get it out of the way early. Um, so the training goes better. Did the fifty miler go better for you? Yeah, yeah. The fifty miler felt pretty good and. Then eventually after that, I just kind of like, I didn't bump right away to like, call like, let me see now what's a hundred mile or something. I kind of still stuck around with other like among the 50 mile or so distance. Yeah. Um, especially doing a lot of like more like um, 12 hours running the same course, you yeah. know, kind of things like, but yeah, eventually then I'd started like slowly. Okay. Like getting more intrigued about the whole hundred mile or, or so. It is a magical distance. I know even with the 200s and beyonds now, it's kind of like the, the 100 milers turn into the half marathon of the ultra world, but there still is some allure of that distance. Like the, hitting that, hitting triple digit miles on your feet, there's something amazing about that number because it seems when you first think about it, when you first read about it, you're like, that's impossible. I could never go uh, triple digit miles on my yeah. on my feet for you was it was it kind of the same thing break down your your transition to a hundred yeah so my first hundred miler was actually um it was a a local obstacle course rate um obstacle course race company called fit challenge yeah and they usually would be the ones that would throw down a lot of like 12 hours six hours and this kind of stuff and then they were like oh we're gonna come up with this 24 hour um Actually, they were planning to do a last man standing format. Yeah, and then during and then I think it was before the pandemic, but um, they were like, "Oh, we're going to do a last man standing format," and the only difference is that we're going to do only twenty four hours. So on the twenty fourth lap, whoever was left and finished the cross line first would win. Yeah, and I was actually I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool!" Like, sounds a really cool, exciting idea because you see all those last men standing and other you no. Know, different types of race but mm-hmm. not this type like you gotta conserve your energy to pretty much sprint the last lap right. but then it turns out as he get close to the race he ends up like oh no we're just gonna do like an open course 24 hours and try to get as much as you can of mileage so that's when i that was a race that i managed to um get my first 100 miler but it was funny because actually during that race i think i ended up on pr my 50 miler and i was like this is not a good sign <laughs> and, it, and it all hit me really hard in mile 65 after that because i was like almost like just walking just dragging my foot for the last like 
15 miles after 80 miles. It was, it was miserable. That's funny because, you know, yeah, you probably look down at your watch at 50 miles and you're like, oh, shit. That's yeah. not that's not good. I shouldn't be PRing a 50 miler and, a, and I should be PRing 50 miles and a 100 miler. That's crazy. Yeah, that was it was like it was a great lesson for sure cuz I oh my god, I I was glad to finish and get that 100 miler that day, but man, it was, it was not fun. Do you remember the I feeling? Paid a lot. You oh, I'm I'm sure you you probably were limping for a good uh you know, yes. couple of weeks after that. Do you remember the feeling though about because here you are. This is a you could have dropped at any time. You could have just stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, this is yeah, a it was fun. Yeah, I I think it's just that I'm just the type of person though that like when I kind of usually put my mind for something, I'll still push through it. A lot of things. So I think that they like even when I was like feeling really low and it was like really cold overnight and all that kind of stuff. I was like, you know what, just one foot in front of the other. And then at the last few miles, actually, I had a friend that came to pace and he's like, dude. You're already hurting right now. You just got to keep moving. You know, like, if right. you stop, it's not going to make the pain go away right away. So just keep shuffling along and you're going to get it done, which was huge because without a pace, I think I'm not sure maybe if I could have kept push- pushing yeah. for too long, but it was a great, it was a great way to finish that race that day. Was it at that moment when you crossed that threshold, when mile 99 passes and all of a sudden you're gps watch says one zero zero was that a turning point for you in your running career yeah for sure i'd say after that race it kind of gave me a huge boost and like of confidence with a lot of other shorter races when i would show up to it or like no like we have like in new hampshire what the y mountains here near us too so i do a lot of training there so it kind of like opened up those doors where I'm like, oh, what is like to explore 50 miles in the White Mountains or all this stuff like that. So kind of just opened up a lot of doors of like, oh, what else can I do? One thing I think you're uniquely qualified to answer this question as a person who's, you're the first person ever, Adam, on the Adventure Jogger to start your ultra story with American Ninja Warrior. So that, that's a first. <laughs> Nobody can take that from you at all. Um, you've had some interesting, you've had an interesting fitness journey, Adam. Yeah. And as you've went from training for, you know, a show that requires you to hop from one thing to the next and climb over this and do a Solomon ladder and all that, all that's, or is it Salmon, Salmon ladder? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Salmon ladder. Salmon yep. ladder, the Salmon ladder and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Solomon now is going to buy the Salmon ladder and call it the <laughs> Solomon ladder. Uh, only exclusive. You have to finish UTMB by doing that. Um, but as you've trained through, through all of that, so you do training for, for Ninja Warrior and then you focus on obstacle course training, which is, those are similar disciplines. Um, and then mm-hmm. the, the running training, you have a very interesting and unique fitness background. Are there things that you think runners could benefit incorporating into their into their daily routine or weekly training routine that you did while you were training for Ninja Warrior or obstacle course racing? Like what was something in that training that you think would benefit runners? Well, so I think one thing that was huge that um, I feel like it helped a lot, at least when I transitioned a bit more <clears throat> into running, is that um, when I was training for obstacle course races, I used to do a lot of them because some of the obstacles they have sometimes is like carrying, you know, like uh, 
60 pound bucket of rocks or a sandbag at a certain weight or something. And usually they would always put that obstacle in like a really shitty healy part of the race. <laughs> right. So I would train a lot. Sometimes no, just get a bucket full of rocks and do 10 repeats up and down a hill with it and that kind of stuff carrying like i just know i feel like all those things helped a lot like get my legs stronger Mm -hmm. so they could like last longer in longer races and especially like i feel like downhill running with those stuff like um i know like in the beginning i had the it band issue but since then like my knees and everything has felt like the greatest ever like like sometimes i'm surprised like the amount of bombing downhills i do on like the mountains around here and how they feel completely normal so i feel like a lot of that strength training of just like carrying heavy stuff up and down the hill helped a lot to maintain like know your legs stronger for the long haul so adam you're saying everybody needs to go out and buy a sand big big sandbag (laughs) or a bucket and do some 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 heavy repeats but just carrying shit up a hill Yep, just got like I mean I would just have like a Home Depot bucket full of just sand or rocks and that's it. Like it, it'll it'll also give you some upper body strength as well as you're doing it. You guys, you'd probably use a kettlebell if you had like a fifty pound kettlebell. You could probably do the same thing, couldn't you? Yep, yep, yeah. Anything anything heavy like that, or I mean, yeah, sometimes you can do also just. I'm sure some people maybe do with the weight vest the same idea. So. Right. But this one kind of using your arm to like really carry it kind of gives you know that good upper body strength as well which later on it might help when you're carrying you know you're running a race wearing that vest for a while you start getting some of those back aches or shoulder aches with that vest so it gives you a little bit of strength up there too did you did you change uh, hands every time you did you do a new repeat you do one with the right hand one with the left yeah, sometimes they'll switch here and there, but since most of the times I was doing those repeats with like a bucket or a sandbag, the, uh, the sandbag usually would be around your shoulder and then the buckets, you would kind of almost just give a nice big bear hug to it and then just kind of... Oh, okay, go. I got you. Okay, so the, so the sandbag goes over your shoulder. You could probably just throw yeah. it over one shoulder, one repeat, and the other, the other. But you're actually, yep. you weren't carrying that bucket by the handle you were- oh, no, no, because, yeah, the races usually for, like, obstacle races, they don't really give you a handle for the bucket, so you have to, like, grab it as you're, like, hugging it. Oh, you got to bear hug that thing up the hill. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, I like this. This could be the very first ever trail and ultra running podcast that recommends bear hugging a Home Depot bucket <laughs> full of rocks up a hill a couple of times. But I bet you're right. I bet you that just wears the legs out. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, uh, you you'll feel the burn right away. Very cool. Very okay. Write it down, everybody. I want to have the homework assignment is everybody's got to try <laughs> that over the next couple of weeks. Um, that's that's really good, honestly, because I I think as runners, and I know I said I'll speak for myself here. I avoid weight training like the plague. I I ha- I want to <laughs> do it every week. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna throw in some weights this week. And every time I, you know, I'm like, I'm doing weights Tuesday night. I go, oh, I've got something else happening that night. I will, I will use any excuse I can to get out of weight training. But I think something like that is actually pretty fun. And honestly, you're not going to look any more ridiculous hugging a a Home Depot bucket up a hill than we are with, you know, our trekking poles and our, in our spandex. So I think that's really cool. Kind of mix it up and do some non-traditional weight training altogether. So that's, that was a good suggestion, Adam. We're putting that on the list of things to do. 
All right, great. Well, glad to to give a little bit of a tip for everyone. Something else, Adam, I noticed, you know, when you're talking about your fitness journey and you even talked a bit about how you were Adam Believe for a good long time and that was, that was a handle on Instagram and some other things, but you've recently just said, fuck it, I'm off social media in a sport yeah. that encourages you to be on social media posting pictures all the time why did you decide to uh to tell mark zuckerberg to go to go to hell <laughs> this past year yeah so it was last year that i i just realized like i was you know spending so much time just scrolling through stuff like you know sometimes i would go for a run you're like oh i gotta take a photo here and there so i can make a post or something about it and i just noticed like i was just it was just being too consuming out of my life so i it was kind of weird, but I just kind of completely cut both off right away. And, you know, then you start realizing also who really is there for you or not and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it was a good change. I feel like it, it allowed me to like enjoy my runs more, spend more time outside and doing all the different things that was more productive, I feel. I mean, although like I get it, like some things for sure, like I used to actually um, have a, a podcast you so. It, it makes, you know, like hard when you are not on social media or anything like that to like make certain co- connections like that. However, you can definitely, I feel there's people that can definitely probably like eliminate some of the time that they're constantly on it or something. But you, like you said, it, it is true. Like I used to actually be part of the ultra red team for like almost three or four years. Yeah. And unfortunately, this year, I will not be able to be part of the team anymore because when I try to reapply for it again, this time is like mandatory to have an Instagram. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. They want those pictures yeah, so on like, the gram. Yep. So I was like, okay, well, oh, well, it was good while it lasted, but it's all good. You know, uh, I'm still having fun without it. Was there, was there a withdrawal period like when you quit it cold turkey did you find yourself like reaching for your phone and and hitting anything being like oh oh, i don't have instagram on here but let me look at my calculator app what's going on with my calculator yes no it's it's very weird how you your mind's kind of merely like whenever you open your phone after doing for so long you're like oh shoot that app's not there anymore oh there's this not there anymore oh i'm not getting all this random notification all the time but yeah, it's weird, but surprisingly, you kind of adjust to it if you keep yourself busy pretty quick. And like, I still like, you know, like I, I got to just go outside way more, which was way, way better. You probably find out how much time you actually have in your life to do things when you're not doing nothing by just scrolling with your thumb, right? Yeah, no, you definitely realize how much time you, you, you're not wasting when you're out of social media you know it's funny because i think the community is great and i think the ultra running community on both you know instagram and facebook and there's some great facebook groups i think trail and ultra running is is 99 is really good there's a couple of tools in there and there, there's tools in every group but i think that's a great community um east coast trail and ultra runners that's a great online mm-hmm. racing community there's some really good ones there's some very funny ones it's just for me yeah. I started noticing this past year that it's not it's not the it's not the posts of the of the friends like like the people like the runners I want to see and that sort of thing, but I started to feel like Instagram had my number, 
not my phone number, <laughs> but my number and wanted to manipulate me to do what they wanted me to do. Like, I want you to buy this. And so I started noticing a lot more, a lot less organic posts of yeah, people actually, right, people that are my friends and all of that. And I started noticing a lot of things that I didn't know I wanted to see, but all of a sudden there they are and they just wouldn't disappear. Like, you were going to buy yeah. this thing. I mean, it's so surprising sometimes, like, um, if you're talking about something like, oh, about this product or something, somehow one day I'm like on random Google or something I'm like, wait, why is that popping up there? Right. So it's like the phone's definitely <laughs> listening. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they like, you know, they're like, oh, you just mentioned about the Salmon polls. You're, you might end up getting some Salmon polls advertisement now on your Instagram. <laughs> I just can't wait till I get the Salmon Ladder uh, advertisement <laughs> on my Instagram. <laughs> you might <laughs> also get it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, of, because of our conversation. And I, I know that it's controversial and people are you know up in arms about you know, crazy Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, I would lo- mm-hmm. I would love nothing more than a social media page that did not have an algorithm that would yeah. just if I'm friends with you and you post something, I see it and I see people's mm-hmm. posts in the order that they post them. I would love just that. Where there's no like, well, I don't know if Ryan really wants to see Adam's post because Adam's post doesn't have these <laughs> three requirements that we know Ryan's going to like to see. So let's not show him Adam's post or even play the game of, listen, Adventure Jogger, if you want people to see this, you're going to have to either pay us money or or use all these keywords that are right in the right place to play the game. I would love nothing more than if Mark Zuckerberg, for whatever reason, maybe he had hay fever or whatever, is like, you know what? Just fuck the algorithm. <laughs> We're just going to show you everything as people post it. I would love it if that was the case. Yes, that would be awesome. But I, kind of, I'm i not sure. It's not, not going sure. that way, Adam. I'll tell you right gonna, now. If that's going that way. <laughs> right, right. You can't make I've money. Been, I've, been, I've been out of it for over a year now, a year and a half, and... From what I hear from some friends, there's actually a lot of friends sometimes that have been, that been come up to me and say, you know what? I might end up almost just doing what you did because it's just getting more and more ridiculous sometimes. Because you got to make money. With it. You know, it's yeah. like what we're talking about about earlier, which I'm not going to, you know, hate on anybody for, for trying to make money. But I wonder if you could make, if you could still make money and still have something that's not so manipulative. That's the problem. I don't like, I, don't, I just don't like the manipulation. Yeah. You're a brave man. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that, all that conversation, what's the goals for, for 2023, Adam? Um, still, I mean, right now I'm trying to try to qualify for Boston. For some reason, like, I never was really much interested in the marathon before, but yeah. last year I gave it a shot with a friend and came pretty close actually a minute off from oh god <laughs> so i was like oh let's try this again i feel like the training though was really great because it kind of set a base for the rest of the year yeah it, it, it i pretty much pr'd every distance last year from the 5k to the 100 miler that's fantastic so i feel like it it gave it a huge like nice um training base for for the rest of the year but um yeah i think actually one thing though that um Oh, I, I think, in fact, when I reached out to you about the podcast is like, you know, like the Middlesex, back to the Middlesex girls that we were talking earlier, yeah. that 
No, it's a great trail. I've no run there so many times. I know, especially that skyline loop. I know this time, like I can run that thing blindfolded. I know every corner of that yeah. thing. But for some reason, I've come also c- across two crazy um, things during um, that trail, which I would say three year, three three or two and a half years ago now. Okay, I one time went there for a run on a Friday. I head off, so I went there for a run in the morning. And I I'm running with I had some headphones in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I doubt there was gonna be many people. It's like very early on a Friday. And I come across someone that like looked a little bit suspicious. So I kind of just waved to them. Yeah. And then turned around, you know, after like two miles turned around, started running back on the same path. And turns out that that person was kind of like finishing to burn <laughs> on the trail. And I was not like not sure at first, like if this was a joke, if that was like some black magic stuff. And then when I came closer and looked better at it, it was actually the person that I whoa, came no whoa. fifteen minutes ago. You saw somebody on a trail. Yeah. And you're turn around and come back, and they lit themselves on fire. Yep. Holy so shit. That was- yeah, that was probably up to this day, you know, despite of all the 100 miles and everything I've done, all the crazy suffering, that was probably one of the most <laughs> traumatic still stuff that I encountered on the trails. Oh, my God, Adam. Holy crap. How did you, you had to have thought, like you said, you was some black magic stuff. This guy went and got some fireworks or whatever. That had to have been just insane, like so surreal. It must have taken you days for your brain to process what you had seen. Holy crap. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was very, um, for sure, shocking. Um, so what happens actually, when I came back on the track, on the on the trail and I was running by the area where the person was, I kind of was thinking in my head like, oh, hopefully, no, that person's not longer there because I thought it was a little bit sketchy when I ran by it at first because I kind of like saw a few um um, to like almost like those paint thinners, flammable cans yeah. on the ground. And yeah. It just looks a bit suspicious. So I was like, oh, I hope that person's no longer there. But when I come back and turn around, I it turns out that like there was a bit of smoke going on still. And and I saw that thing on the ground. And at first it looked like almost like a mannequin. That's why I was like not sure what it was. And yeah. then there was another guy there that actually came to the scene first before me, like only a few minutes before me. And he was the one to first come across it. And then I came and you no, know, we were talking. He was already on the phone with the cops. And I was like, uh, what is this? Is this some sort of like joke, black magic or something going on here? And he's like, no, I think this is someone that like committed suicide. Or, oh, or my God. And then I look as close to the to know to the person and I'm like, holy cow, I just saw this person here 15 minutes ago alive. So, yeah, the cops ended up eventually showing up and we both stuck around to give you no know, like every just tell them everything that we we saw going on yeah but yeah after that took me like probably easily four to five months to kind of go back to that trail and feel comfortable running again i would think that you there. probably even running it today you probably get to that point on the trail and you still probably think of that every time you run it oh yeah every time i run by the exact point that i know or the, on the trail it, it happened mm-hmm. i kind of always go by it but for some reason now i'm kind of like more in peace with it so it's almost kind of every time i go by it i'm just kind of like almost like just give it a little nod saying like you no know, like rest in peace or something like that but 
actually me and the other guy that came across the body a year later after it happened we kind of both met up there together just to kind of like make peace with the place so. yeah wow holy cow i would think that something yeah. like that witnessing that might keep someone off the trails for a while maybe you'd be like yeah i think i'm gonna try and qualify for boston i'm done with this trail <laughs> thing you know yeah no you it was definitely like uh, i'm not gonna lie i was a bitch like i think i'm also like i said i'm find myself very strong-minded so i'm glad in a way that it was me that kind of saw that instead of someone that was perhaps you know maybe a child like sometimes right. there are people walking there with their kids or something so it, in a way it was kind of better than someone else seeing that and then they could be more traumatized for a long time in their life yeah. where I kind of like managed to kind of make peace with it. So, yeah. but it was, it was definitely shocking. The first few days, I kind of remember getting back home that day and my emotions were just all over the place. I remember I went to shower and I was kind of like crying a little bit because I'm like, why would someone do that to their life? Or, and then people, a bunch of people reached out to me, even some woman that like used to work as a cop and went, cause this was back when I was on social media yeah. and I had made a post about it. And like a bunch of people reached out to me and she would, she reach out to me especially like being a cop and she was like um no just like no we're all here if you want to talk because right now your mind can maybe be start thinking like oh like was there something that i could have done to stop that or something right you know because so she was like no don't feel that way because if you maybe if you even had stopped the person that day they would still find a way some other day or something so good lord so adam like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we're did the same trail didn't a dog bite you on the same trail Yes, yeah, so that was the other thing that just recently happened back at this race in December. I still have the scar healing, almost, almost, almost fully healed. But <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I have no luck with this draw in a way." You really don't. But yeah, it was so. Yeah, this year I came to run that Tark Fells Winter for the second year. Yeah, and um, so I came to race, and I was like, you know. I'm, uh, I, I should race it just to see if I can still kind of defend the the title of yeah. winning it last year. And but since this year, I didn't really like train a lot of I feel like elevation stuff. I was like not sure how it was going to go. But once again, I found myself at like lap three or four, kind of back on the on the front. And then I was kind of like again, same thing. The last loop going by the halfway point where there was like an aid station there. Um, I realized that I'm like, okay, I, I'm still in first place. So I'm going through the, towards the aid station and there's this guy there with like, um, a camera taking photos and he's part of the community too, like for the runners yeah. and he has a dog on the leash. And as I'm, no, I'm like smiling to the camera running. I go by him and all of a sudden the dog just kind of like, just jump right away on my leg, like not even a sign of anything, just jump <laughs> with the mouth open and takes a bite. And I'm like, I kind of stop for a second and look at him like, did that really just happen? Like, is this really happening right yeah. now? Um, you better and get then, pictures for free, Adam. I'm just saying that photographer better not charge you a dollar <laughs> for a digital download. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, no, so very apologetic. And he was like, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just run down the aid station because it was literally like 100 feet from the aid station. And everyone's like, oh, no, we know him. Like, um, we'll, we'll get the, we'll get the, his contact for you. And then it turns out that he actually was not his dog. He was babies. He was dog sitting for someone else. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'll get the owner's no records from the dog and everything. 
And then I'm on the aid station. They're like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to finish the race. It's only four miles left. Right. <laughs> so, they're like, oh. so they're like, okay, let's just clean you up for a little bit and patch you up so you don't get any infection or anything like that. So they managed to quickly do a little like patching up. And then I still like, then at, at that point, my adrenaline was like sky high. So I'm like, okay, now I can even finish this thing faster. <laughs> right. <laughs> the adrenaline was kicking in. And then I'm like, okay, um, finished, ended up winning the race. And I'm like, okay, got my wife. And I'm like, let's go to the hospital now to kind of take care of this wound. Um, everyone wants to know how many free digital downloads did you get of pictures? Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure I've seen photos from that guy yet that day. <laughs> he doesn't want you to know who he is. He doesn't want your lawyer contacted him. Wow. Um, I've I've encountered dogs on runs a couple of times. Someone told me that if a dog comes at you, and this has worked for me, please do not sue me if this doesn't work for you. But I just bark back at them and and actually <laughs> actually chase them, and they seem to really be intimidated by a doughy middle aged man with uh, with glasses uh, barking at them. Um, a friend of mine was on a run once, and the guy who had a dog was you know, the dog got out of his yard, and the guy the guy was staring at my friend while his dog was chasing after my friend, <laughs> and my friend who is much tougher than I am stopped turned and looked at the man and said call your fucking dog or i will beat your fucking ass to which the guy immediately called the dog so i'm just saying yeah. there's there's multiple ways i know people that carry uh a mace with them or i know stafford's had to carry sticks with them through certain parts <laughs> but uh yeah that's never easy but you maybe you're also the first you're also the first guest adam that has mentioned being bitten by a dog during a race so you've got a lot of firsts on this on this episode of Venture Jogger, Adam. Yeah, I'm always I'm always like somehow pulling some weird things off. <laughs> that's good stuff overall. That's a hell of a story, Adam. Yeah, that that's what eventually after I finished it, like you know what, like at least it's gonna make for a nice story. I'm like that that's true. <laughs> Thankfully, it was not so bad. Um, turns out the dog nose was still pretty on top of all the. Um, shots and everything, so I didn't really need to take any rabies shots or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, Adam does not have rabies. And- in case anyone's wondering, Adam does not have rabies. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Thankfully not. <laughs> Adventurejogger.com. That's the website. Check it out for back episodes. There's gear. Adventure Jogger Joggers keep you warm all winter long. Talk to you next time. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.